Hey folks, I recorded this with Anchor. Anchor has everything you need to get started with your own podcast. They will publish, distribute, and propagate your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places where you're hearing this podcast right now. It's easy. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer like I'm doing right now. Thanks for listening. Go and download the Anchor podcast app right now. Thanks. It's the Ladies and gentlemen, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I am excited to try. This is episode one of the weekly music thing from Gary Reed Music, R-E-I-D. You can find me at Gary Reed Music. You can find this podcast at Weekly Music Thing. I'm excited to be here with you trying this out. I have a very special guest today, my best friend, Miss Ariane, who's going to talk with us about gratitude, music, and life in general. I thought I'd start the show by playing what I believe is the best song that I've ever written. It's certainly my favorite to play. It's called Wyoming. It's about moving to Wyoming. That's why I call it Wyoming. And if you like it, you can purchase it by going to garyreadmusic.bandcamp.com. Thanks. Here's Wyoming. Oh, 
episode of the weekly music thing podcast we're here with our very special guest the goddess extraordinaire miss arianne talking about music and gratitude and what makes our hearts sing miss arianne how are you i'm very well thank you it's good to have you here i'm so excited to have you as my first guest my very best friend i wanted you to tell me about your first experiences with music what's your first musical memory the first thing that pops into my mind was 1974. I loved to take a bath as a kid. Bath time was filled with toys. I could spend hours in the bathtub with plastic spoons and spatulas and rubber duckies and pots and pans. And it was literally just a creation time for me. And while I would be entertaining myself in the bathtub, my mother would be off able to then, you know, accomplish household chores or something. And my father would be in his office working and he would play on his reel-to-reel, big giant reels, you know, whatever, whatever that size is, tapes, and he loved the Moody Blues, Moody Blues and the Beatles. And I can remember hearing this eerie voice of the Moody Blues. The song was Late Lament, and it's a spoken word song. From Knights in White Satin. Right, just following Knights in White Satin. And that's my first memory, just hearing this, like, commanding, empowering voice just coming through the walls and into the bathroom and speaking to me, you know, breathe deep, the gathering gloom, sunlight fades from every room. I don't think that's the exact uh, verbiage. And it stuck with me. And so to this day, when I hear that song, it just, it takes me back to that early, early memory. And at that time, I'd mean, I didn't necessarily understand that music was created or how it could be recorded to a, a magnetic media. And that, you know, were there little men in the media playing? You know, how did all that work? It was, it was a lot for my little brain to, to comprehend. That's excellent. I think more than one person has had that experience of when they were young thinking, oh, when somebody turns on the TV, that's there's little people in the TV and that's, there they are like acting out or singing their songs. Do you remember the last time you heard the Moody Blues, this Moody Blues song? Luckily, with classic rock, you can turn on a station and if you listen long enough, you'll hear it. With satellite radio, you can just play a Moody Blues station. I remember, of course, you know, in high school, which was many years later, and when I would hear the song, I didn't understand why I knew all the words, though I had never sung them previously. And I thought, where did that come from? And it was somehow like imprinted into my into my brain, into my neural pathway. So I found that really interesting that they, they were songs that I knew, or at least I knew what was going to happen next in the, in the cadence, the melody, the tune, the crescendos. That's great. And was music a part of your whole childhood, or did it did it pop in and out? Or pretty much the the seventies. And I think for that reason, I'm stuck in the seventies, if you will. That's the music that I gravitate toward because I hear other things and have heard other things, as you know, the eighties and the nineties. And um, I guess I guess there's music after that too. And for some reason, I just harken back to the things that made me initially hear, understand, and appreciate music. 
almost like a primal ancestral type of, of knowing. When is a time in your life when you'd say music has helped you the most? Perhaps when I'm hurting and I'm hesitant to express an emotion. I was raised to be very never give up, never give in, resilient and soldier on. And so I don't cry easily. I don't emote. I emote anger, but I don't emote feelings that easily. And so I know when something would hurt my feelings, I would go into the bathroom, go into the shower, turn on the shower, turn on music louder than the shower so that it could mask my crying. And I would cry. And I only cried alone in the shower with music playing to block out the sound. And was that cathartic? It was, it was a re- yeah, it was a release. It was literally just a necessity. When you were a kid or in your life, when you were a child or in your adult life, have you ever played a musical instrument or tried to play a musical instrument? We were required to take, I mean, it was just part of the curriculum. You took history and there was English and there was writing time and coloring time and you had to be in choir or chorus and you had to wear little uniforms to those events and so you, we would have to sing. So yeah, there were certainly some some choral and choir events where you sang as a group. If there were 30 kids in the class, you sang as a 30 kids. Um, so there was singing and as far as an instrument, so the instrument was my voice. And then there was another time again where you had to do something. It was a requirement. And so I don't remember what those somethings were. There was probably shop. And I think that, you know, the boys did that and home ex and the girls tended to to, to lean toward that curriculum and music class, and you could pick an instrument. And at that time, it was, we called it a song flute. It was a plastic gadget. And you were given your sheet music. You learned how to, you know, do the every good boy does fine on the notes. And I learned how to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. That was the only thing I learned how to play. And to this day, when I pick up a flute, I can still use the finger motions to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It never goes away. It never goes away. But that, that, that's pretty much the extent of my musical experience. It's amazing that it stays, even if you haven't practiced in so long. Wired into my brain for 40-something plus years now, yes. And you mentioned your brain. I know that you have a organization that you're an integral part of. I founded the San Diego Brain Club 11 years ago. And we talk about all things brain-related, the brain and laughter, the brain and humor, the brain and music, the brain and gender, every topic brain-related, the brain and death, the brain and trauma, the brain and business, the brain and personality, the brain and phobia. And what part of a brain is activated the most, would you say, when music is being played to you as opposed to playing it yourself? Probably the auditory cortex and... Music, then, is, is a way to alle- help alleviate stress, depression, create neurogenesis, or new cell growth. Where do you find yourself the most grateful in life? I'm grateful not only to others, but also to myself for my own internal fortitude and resources. When I look around, I mean, certainly I have things and accomplishments. And I feel that not only did I accomplish those things and do those things of my own volition, but of course the support that led me there. You know, an encouragement from a parent, a guidance from a teacher, you know, support of friends, connectivity of friends. So recognizing both my independence and interdependence. 
What makes you feel most alive? What makes me feel most alive? What makes your heart sing? I feel really alive when I'm creating art out of found objects, objects that are displaced or, or thrown away that's, that are unwanted, and I take them and create a new story with them. I believe that objects hold energy, and just like people, I mean, we don't want to be discarded. Taking the found objects and, and creating a piece of art from them instead of letting them go into a landfill. And you've had your assemblage art displayed at various shows and galleries around the San Diego area. Uh, yes, I have. I have had it displayed. Primarily, I make it for myself. It's a cathartic release for me, and I showcase it in my home. I mean, if people are interested, they say, oh, where can I see it? You know, is it on a website? And I think, no, the purpose of a piece of art is to be able to touch it, to be able to, it's tactile for me because it's assemblage. It's not a flat piece. It's a, it's a fully three-dimensional piece. Sometimes my pieces are kinetic in that they move. And so they have pulleys and touchstones and things that spin. And so, yeah, you want to be able to touch them in person. So I always say, well, you need an invitation to my house and come on over and, and uh, you can have a viewing and a touching. Your house is like an art gallery. I can vouch for that. If money were not a thing, what would you do every day? I would probably do much of the same of what I do. I enjoy being outside, doing yoga, walking, creating, collecting things uh, to create, giving services to people. I really enjoy when somebody calls me and needs my assistance, whether it be a learning project, a teaching project, a motivation project, an inspiration project. So wherever I can lend a hand, like I said, I don't know that my life would change at all. That's fantastic. If somebody gave you a gigantic blank billboard to put on Interstate 5 for everyone to see, what would you put on that billboard? At first, I was going to tell you that it would be blank because we're all blank slates and we can create whatever we want on those, whether it be negative or positive or, you know good, bad, and different. We can create friendships. We can create isolation. We can create health and wellness. We can create illness and disease. And so I would tell you that it would be blank, but now I think, no, use your mind. Use your mind. Explore your mind. That's a good message. Have you read any books lately that are really inspiring that you would pass on? Or what is the book that you have most passed on to others? Uh, the book that I just finished reading that was very inspiring was Atomic Habits by James Clear, I believe his last name is, and dissected into super simplicity and makes so much sense. I had also listened to him on a, uh, interviewed by Sam Harris and... I just found James's uh, methodologies and an attitude and enthusiasm infectious. So that was the that's the book that I that I've been most inspired by recently. But I just finished it yesterday, so obviously that wouldn't be the one that you passed on the most. <laughs> that's not the one I've passed on the most. That is a, a lovely question, and I would appreciate it if someday we could interview again and I could tell you. I, I guess it depends on who my audience is because it's not because I like a book. I pass on a book. Because I think, oh, Gary Reed likes music, so I'm going to pass on a music book to him. And I think, oh, so-and-so likes history, so I'm going to pass on a historical fictional book to them. Oh, so-and-so is really fascinated by Faulkner, and so I'm going to pass on a Faulkner book to them. And so it is not a book that I have passed on. It could be a genre or an author or a topic based on the person that I is the receiver. What's a question that I haven't asked you that you would like to be asked? I would like those people that are fascinated or interested in 
my art or creating art of their own. Since I don't have a website, I'm literally word of mouth or hands-on or personal, interpersonal relationship connection. Those who want to reach me should reach out to Gary, and I'm happy to provide classes. I would love it if you came and spent a a weekend at, at my workshop. I think that's what it's all about, really interacting with people in person on a one-to-one, eye-to-eye, tactile, hand-to-hand, you know, with, with hammers and nails and tools in hand. Even in the pandemic, I believe that's possible. I believe that there's a great healing reward in making art together, collaborating on a piece of art, and being in person, just not on an electronic format. I don't want to teach you a class over Zoom. I want you to come here. I bet that would be interesting for both you and the person involved, the people involved. I certainly hope so. Thank you, Miss Ariane. You are the best guest I've had so far. It was my pleasure, Gary. You're the the best interviewer that I've had so far. And since we're the first for each of um, each of the others, then uh, may we have a long and successful moving forward. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, if you made it this far, thanks for being here through the whole first episode of the Weekly Music Thing. I appreciate you. Leave a comment in the show notes. Tell your friends about the Weekly Music Thing. And contact me at garyreadmusic at gmail.com if you'd like to be a guest on the Weekly Music Thing. Yeehaw! It's the Weekly Music Thing.